welcome to the Built on Air podcast, the variety show for all things Airtable. Each episode, we cover four different segments. It's always fresh and different and lots of fun while you get the insider info on all things Airtable. Our hosts and guests are some of the most senior experts in the Airtable community. Join us live each week on our YouTube channel every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Eastern. And join our active community at builtonair.com join. Before we begin, a word from our sponsor, OntoAir.com. Any business running on Airtable gets the value that Airtable has, but also needs a few more functions to complete their operations. That's where OntoAir comes in. It's a suite of tools for any business running on Airtable to maximize your operations efficiencies and automations. One customer, John, states that OntoAir enables his business to function properly without having to think about building their own software. And that is pretty invaluable. The OntoAir Airtable apps are amazing and we use them often and are very happy with the results. So join John and hundreds more customers and take your Airtable to the next level with OntoAir. Sign up today with promo code BUILTONAIR for a 10% discount. Check them out at OntoAir.com. And now let's check out today's episode and see what we built on air. Welcome back to the Built on Air podcast. We are glad to be with you. We've got myself, Dan Fellers, regular host Camille Parks, and Ali Alosa with us. Welcome back as always. Good to have you. And we have a special guest with us, Russell Bishop. He's a returning guest. Glad to have you with us, Russ. Great to be here. We'll be getting to know a little bit about Russ. We, we highlighted him last week, but we're going to go deeper into uh, his award-winning interface later in the show. Award-winning, contest-winning is probably more accurate. <laughs> so uh, as always, our Built on Air podcast, a live show every Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern. We go through four different segments. I'll walk through what we're going to be talking about today. We always start with our round the basis of what's going on, keep you up to date on the Airtable communities. Then we will spotlight our primary sponsor onto air. Then Russ will be showcasing his uh, contest winning interface of my wardrobe. And then Ali will be going through the page designer and some advanced uh, tricks with page designer app. And then a shout out to our community. And then finally, uh, Camille will finish off with a scripting, showing how to interact with linked records and and whatnot. So, with that, we will start with round the bases. Uh, relatively quiet week on the community front. Um, no feature releases that I'm aware of. Um, and but there was one. This is from a previous. Um, announcement that uh, came out. I think we talked about it last week, and um, but there was something hidden uh, that came out a couple of days ago that um, they we haven't got. It, so it's still a mystery. So this is this comment right here by Nathaniel asking about more details for the linked record ID, so you can sort by linked record, like quarter project, and asking what it meant because it says it was. Um, uh, request from this Jose Martinez. And so, and then Alan adds on, if it's this request from Jose, then it's a pretty big one. Um, and Carlson adding, so they didn't clarify like what that meant. Anybody know what this is referring to? 
Yeah, it's. I think actually this is the a script demo I almost was going to do for today. It's uh, okay. being able to sort the linked records within a field by a particular field of that linked record, right? So you can't, the only control you have over it is you can only drag them around manually and they're added in the same order that they're added. Like if you link records, you link one, two, three, they're going to be in order one, two, three. Um, but you can change that by dragging them around. Um, there's ways with scripting to be able to automatically sort that field, but it would be amazing if we could just have a little toggle within that field configuration to decide what we want to sort by. Interesting, but it doesn't look like it's live yet. No, no, I don't think so. I, I think that there's a little confusion over it, but, um, this, this, yeah, I don't, I'm not sure what they're asking. So that was the request, right? That was this request. But yes. it doesn't look like that's what they went live with. No, no, it's not live. Do you, do you think that's do you think that sorting would persist, or is that supposed to be everywhere that that is set? It has one set of sorting, or can you like reuse it in other places? It's a good question. I would think it would persist on whatever you would set it to, right? Mm. So, like this linked record field, I want to be sorted by date, and or I want to keep this alphabetical um yeah yeah i yeah. guess it's the same as applying the limit selection to view right it's set once between those um between those two tables yeah not that it exists but i imagine that's what the behavior would be right yeah i would think yeah i would go crazy if that were released that's a, like a huge thing that i use automations and scripting a lot to take care of like if i want my report that i'm generating to be sorted in a certain order and that's what you would need to do. And this would solve that. Yeah. Yeah. So it doesn't appear that there's any UI changes that would reflect this. So maybe that was a maybe that was a an Easter egg that they provided. Because <clears throat> um, they list it, they list it oh. as having gone live. <clears throat> oh gosh. Yeah, no, that doesn't sound right yeah and enough time has passed where it's not the oh just refresh your yeah you know base and it'll be there so yeah i don't know what's happening with this uh with this yeah yeah apologies i got i'm apparently i was confused at the top of this call as well yeah. <laughs> um, but that's what i would hope it'd be referring to but no it's not released so kavan says Thought it was filtering by a specific record versus oh. ah, they did. Come they on. did add that filter, that new filter option. The filtering, it's actually uh, that makes sense. Yep. Okay. Thank you, Kavan. <laughs> gotcha. So it's not in where you link to the record; it's at the top level filtering. It's the wording that's confusing, right? Because it starts with filter and then adds sort by, but I don't think there's any sorting there. I see right. what they're trying to say though. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's where I got thrown off, but yeah, I think that that's what they were. The, the comment below was saying, I think you're talking about this, but yeah, it wasn't unfortunately. Yeah. Gotcha. All right. Maybe that's mystery solved. We'll see if there's, if there's any more announcement, we'll definitely bring it to you. But um, yeah, the other thing that eventually if they have the ability to like, dynamically filter your link records off of a value in your current record 
Yeah. That would be big. That would be huge. Yeah. So anyways, all right. Well, maybe we got our hopes up a little too soon there. <clears throat> um, the other thing, uh, just coming from the Reddit community, um, this thread is about this smart suite. I bet people, I know Gareth did a video on this, so it kind of got some buzz. I know we talked about it in the built on air community a little bit. It's not mainly what I want to talk about, although that, I think that is interesting. It's a somewhat competitive product to um, Airtable. Um, so if you're looking for an alternative, maybe check out SmartSuite. But what was more interesting was in the comment sections. Um, this right here, as far as I know, two-way sync is coming to Airtable soon. Product keeps getting better. Where did you see this? Uh, what is two-way sync? Um, you know what? I feel like there was more discussion. Oh, wait. Oh, I got to go down. I was going to say, I thought I saw more discussion on that. Um, can confirm two-way syncing is in beta right now. We are in said beta. It's pretty awesome so far. Any issues with it? No issues. It's similar in that you can't utilize link to record fields in the destination base. You can't, you also can't make new records from the destination base, but overall it's a huge feature improvement. Awesome. So that is pretty cool. I had heard through the grapevine that this was coming, but this is the first public where I felt comfortable sharing it. Um, but so that's cool two way syncing. So I think that's, I don't think that's with like external sources, like their one way sync with Salesforce or whatever. I think that's just within bases. Um, although it is disappointing that you can't create a record. I think that would be a common use case to create a record on the, on the synced side. So I don't know any thoughts on two way syncing coming. <laughs> I remember like forever ago when one-way syncing was announced, they were like, uh, plenty of people were like, oh, it would be even more helpful if two-way syncing was available. And someone from Airtable was like, yep, we think it would be helpful too. And then that was kind of it. And that was like a year or more ago. So this yeah. is also the first time I had heard that actual sort of progress had been made on uh you know, building yeah. that feature in there. Yeah. And I know there's people on enterprise plan here that may not be able to share what they know, so that's okay. But this is public, so we can at least share what, what people are saying publicly about it. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting, though, because it's kind of the use case for that seems like a good sharing permissions workaround. Like I'm just gonna create a version of my base, let people like it's kind of like the um editable shared links, right? It's just another yeah. hacky way of us getting around the fact that sharing permissions are a bit dud. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the difference there is you still have to be a paid editor tier to edit on the mm. destination. Yeah, so, true, true. So but it if everything get around that. If everything is synced, well, I guess not everything would be synced, just the synced tables. But yeah. if you're syncing over bits um, and everything in that new base is stuff that's synced over, they don't need to be editor uh, privileged because there's nothing to edit. Yeah, true. So that was cool. 
cool little uh, insight there um, on what might be coming. Uh, a couple other things. Um, this is from the, the Built on Air community, kind of our quarterly reminder of uh, limitations on extension. So somebody asked that actually did run into the limit of 10 extension types. Camille, I see you're on here. Mm -hmm. Justin and Scott also chiming in. Um, Camille, you want to give a summary? So there was uh, some confusion about what the 10 extension limit actually means. Um, I think the original assumption in this thread was it's uh, 10 types of extensions you can have. And then Justin and I clarified it's actually the number of installs, not the number of types. So if you had 10 charts, that's hitting the limit. If you had five charts and five page designers, that's hitting the limit. And the scripting extension is the only one that's exempt from all of those. And then if you make your own custom extension, that's also exempt, but that that's rare. And then um, I think Scott jumped in and said, well, if you have disabled extensions, those don't count. So there's a bunch of different things all together that are affecting whether or not you're going to hit that limit. And I yeah. think it was, uh, you know, the reminder to just disable an extension if you're not using it often um, is a good sort of you know, reminder that, you know, you can keep more than 10 in there. You just can't have them all active at once. Good reminder, comes up probably quarterly. <laughs> All right, moving on, a couple um, couple uh, announcements. So if you are in the LA area, Airtable is doing a happy hour um, as part of a conference from Adobe. So Kavan, or Camille, you will be there? I will. All right. So you can meet Camille in person if you're in the area. Finally. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't think I'll be in the area that day. I think it's uh, October 17th. Is that when it was? Yeah, on a Monday. I actually don't know who in the Airtable sphere is also in Los Angeles. I yeah. feel like everyone's in Texas Yeah. or Colorado. Jordan, Jordan's New York, I think, isn't she? I think. Yeah, I think she's in New York, so maybe Jordan will be there. <clears throat> All right. Another one I found on um, Twitter um, from Philip Lackin, who runs a no-code community, um, putting on a conference, a no-code conference in Atlanta, uh, no-code ops conference. So this fall, uh, to be determined on exact dates, and I think just has kind of a sign-up right now, but um, could be interesting. I don't know, maybe I'll take a trip out to Atlanta if, if this looks interesting, but thought I'd get the word out there. Um, if you're in that area or wanna make a trip out there, could be of interest. This one will be broader, it'll be more than just Airtable, um, but definitely Airtable will be a major component of that. Awesome. So that's kind of everything going on, any other? announcements news going on in uh the communities this week not that i saw yeah just uh always the ongoing help and everything but i didn't see any breaking news uh just recovering from the contest i imagine so no 
no updates, but um, we shall see you next week. All right, let's move on. Uh, primary sponsor on to air is an all one toolkit to run your business on Airtable. If you rely on Airtable as a core component to your business, you ought to check out on to air to see if it can help with that uh, variety of different apps that help you improve your business operations in Airtable. For today's spotlight, I want to continue our discussion. We are in a live in a open beta with our new forms product. Um, releasing new functionality, working with early customers, checking out the uh, new form solution. So we just um, did some, some additions this week. I thought I'd spotlight our formula builder. So we have the ability to run formulas on the fly client side um, because if you update any of your fields, your formula in Airtable isn't going to update unless we sent it back to the server, which we didn't want to do until you're done and want to submit. So we have a client-side formula builder and engine that works with any of the fields as well as any of your linked record fields. So it can do roll-up type formulas and anything of that sort. So that is um, a cool new feature. And so we've got kind of a form builder that will improve over time, but it does the, the basics. Um, you can insert your field, your variable parameters from your form and it will update there. And the cool thing is you can actually then um, save the value of that formula back into a editable text field. So if you want to just run a formula here and then save the value of it back into Airtable, it has that functionality. So. Very cool stuff coming. Um, if you want to get into the beta, we'll provide a link or reach out to us on chat um, and we'll get you in the beta for uh, for forms. A couple more weeks of a beta and then, and then we'll be ready to release it to the wider uh, community without going through the beta. Uh, what formula language? It actually um, is a it actually is uh, a library that's more based off of Excel. So it actually supports um, all of the Excel formulas. So actually has more support than what Airtable has for some formulas. So we do have a help um, document that has all of the formulas and standard math. So it's um, so it's more of a just kind of a formula engine off of off of Excel. So, um, but it does have some financial formulas as well, statistical analysis, rollups. Um, so yeah, there's the list. So thanks for the question, Camille. Can you copy paste Airtable formulas? Uh, yes and no. It, some may copy over. Um, but we do things a little bit different, especially with linked records. If you're calculating like a roll-up field, the syntax is, is a little bit different um, there. But, um, but basic formulas, you likely would be able to copy over. You may need to, to edit them a little bit. But yeah, it's probably not a one-to-one -one, um, solution on that front. All right. Moving on, we're now going to dive into interfaces with Russ. You want to share your screen? Awesome. There you go. 
Cool. So uh, there was a very helpful introduction that uh, Camille did last week about how my wardrobe works. Uh, so this is the set of interfaces uh, that I submitted into the competition. Uh, I'm going to run through two bits of functionality which are automation based, uh, just to dive into a little bit about how I did that. Um, some, of it, some of it involves some scripting. Uh, my JavaScript is pretty poor, uh, to say the least, but it is good enough to put something like this together, which is hopefully a bit of a testimonial to no-code tools, is that you can be sloppy uh, and still get the job done. I'll give a quick overview of what the interface and base does, and then we'll hop into how some of the functionality works. Um, before I start, quick caveat, I am not a fashionable person and all of this effort towards collecting clothes and comparing and building outfits uh, was just an idea of mine that doesn't actually really suit my lifestyle. You can <laughs> ask anyone who knows me and they will tell you I'm not a fashionable person by any means, but maybe this would help you on that journey, I'd hope. Um, so we'll so have these, a look at- These are uh, not your real clothing? No, none of them no. are. In fact, okay. um, a, a, a slight tip, I actually just went looking for some quite nicely cropped clothes online so that they'd look good in the base. Um, maybe that was cheating. Who knows? <laughs> um, so just a quick kind of overview of what's happening in here. So we have the items table in my wardrobe, and each item is categorized as a piece of clothing. So this interface here is the item gallery. It just gives you a, a rough breakdown of what you have in your wardrobe. Um, and then it gives you a shortcut to go in and edit um, one of those items. For some reason, it jumps you through the record there and then into the interface. But um, so that's that's items you store metadata about your clothes, um, and then the point of the base is that you would then collect those into outfits. Um, so in here, this is what's called the outfit builder in the create outfit interface, and basically you can hop through and change some of the layers in here. Um, if you were watching last week, you would have seen that um, none of these automations were working. Annoyingly, that's because you need um, the automations from the base to actually make it function. Uh, and the link that was provided, I think, was to Universe, which, as we all saw, doesn't uh, copy over your interface or your automations for you. Um, so that's why it wasn't working last time. Uh, but this is the these are the kind of two automations I want to jump into. One of them is about changing a layer, um, and the other one is saving an outfit. So I've made something that's um, fairly unwearable here through my uh, six items of clothes. Each item has a layer, layer one, layer two. If I liked it enough, I can then choose to save my outfit and that will run an automation, which basically takes a copy um, of the configuration we've got here. And if you go into my outfits, you now have that outfit saved in here. Um, and you can also later on choose to edit it, which pushes it back into that interface and you can edit it again. Um, so the first uh, automation we'll have a look at, and I'll go from the interface so you can see each of the steps it goes through, um, is change. So each of these buttons here, um, updates, I'll just try and zoom in so you've hopefully got slightly better view here. So it updates four fields. The first one is that it takes the current record that we're looking at. So right now we're actually looking at a single record called new outfit in the outfits table. Um, it's the only one that has a flag on it, so you can't technically navigate away from it. Um, but that is what allows us to have all of these linked items to this single record. 
Um, and so what we're doing is we're updating the new outfit record to say, I want to find something from upper, which is this one we're about to change here. I want to change layer one. I'm going to run an automation called change, and then I'm going to change the status to changing. So these first two is just sending some instructions to the automation we're going to run. And then this uh, last one here triggers the automation. The last point here where we change the status to changing just updates um, this little status bar at the top to tell the user I've actually clicked something. That's actually a really important part of this and something that anyone who's built interfaces will, will probably have figured out by now is that um, often an automation can take like at least four seconds if it's doing a find, sometimes 10, you know, depending on how Airtable was behaving that day. So it's always good um, to update something on the screen to tell them something's happening in the background before you just, you know, wait for an output. Um, and I'll demonstrate that for you in a second. There's a little bit of trickery around here that makes it seem faster than it actually is. Um, so those are the four fields that we're going to change. And if I hop into the base here, so as I said, we're now in the outfits uh, table, and this is the only record that we really care about. This is new outfit. The rest of them are all of my saved outfits that I've got from before. Um, so you can see here, if I just run that automation quickly, we'll say change upper one. It's now changed these records in here to say upper body, layer one, change, and then it updated some statuses. So when it does that, it is triggering an automation up here, which for some reason needs a while to load. Here's the longer version. Wow. <laughs> this is actually quite a simple base. Yeah. I might even give it a refresh. Um, and this is probably the first bit where you'll realize that my uh, scripting ab abilities are quite crap. I've got a separate automation for every version of the change button. I know that many of you out there would go, you fool, just have one automation and decide what to do at the beginning. Uh, but, you know, time is of the essence and it's a bit above my, my skill set. Um, so what we'd have just triggered there is this first one, change upper layer one. And what it does is it does a check to say, um, has this run before or is this the first time it's running? Now that's really important because um, if you run this automation to say, first thing I want you to do is go into find records, find me all the other layer one upper body stuff, get me the next one and set it. That find is really slow. Um, and it's, it's far too long for you to wait to just wait for an image to, to reload. It was, it was quite a crappy experience. So what I did as a little workaround is that every time you run this, um, I have a second field, which is upper body one next. And it basically sets up what the next one will be. So instead of waiting for the finds to happen, what I do is just update the record and I say, get the get the um, item that we prepared last time in the next up field and move it into layer one. So we don't have to wait for the find records to happen and the user sees what's happened mm -hmm. in front of them. And then afterwards, I do the find where I need to find what the um, the next item will be. And with that find, I then just push that data into the next up field. So the user never sees this kind of hidden next up field. It's only used for the outfit builder, um, but it means they get a result quicker. Um, so that's like a little workaround that, that, that helps that um, helps that be a bit smoother. So basically this check is just to see if we've ever populated the next up field before. So it's only like the first time you use this basic, you'll actually, actually need to do that. Um, we'll have a quick look at the uh, script as well. I think it's fairly simple. 
uh, which is <laughs> lots of console logging and experimentation. But basically, make a list of all the items that we have, find out what the current one's number was, get the next number. If there isn't a next number, go to the beginning of the list. So it's kind of just sifting through the array. And then whatever that item is, put it into the next up field for our next time that we run it. Um, and so now you're seeing a bit of the inefficiency, right? Because you've all just realized that I've got this exact same script written uh, <laughs> in uh, 12 places. I'm just curious how much, how many scripts had you written before this? Like how many? I've written a lot of scripts, okay. but I wouldn't want to share them with anyone because they're <laughs> because they're poor. Um, I, I just I just know enough JavaScript to get by, and uh, yeah, every every time I start writing a script, I'm like, okay, kind of know how variables work. I know how arrays work, but I still need to look up all of the um, all of the syntax and make sure I you know remember what async actually is. Um, but enough to do something simple like this, right? Like get an array of items get me the next one in it um, and update a record is, is pretty simple to do. Nice. Um, so yeah, so that is how those change buttons work. And yeah, the, the trick there being is that don't make the user wait for the find records thing. Um, obviously your, your base schema is a bit, um, a bit muckier to have those two fields that do the same thing, but it means that the results come back within a few seconds instead of like 10 seconds, basically. Uh, so yeah, that's the, that's the update time. Um, the other automation I'll take you through is how save outfit works. This one's a lot simpler and you may have probably guessed it now that you've seen the, um, the design of the base and specifically the items table. So we'll just have a look at the functionality of that button. Oh, don't want to move it. Anyone who designs interfaces in their table knows that that is a problem. Yeah. Uh, click something and everything moves. Um, so yeah, so the first thing does run an automation, um, it uses this, I use a select field to run the automations. It's an old way of doing it, but the the newer way of using buttons to run an automation didn't exist when this contest, contest started. So um, so that, that could be updated, but I haven't. Um, and then also just change the status so the user knows that something's happening. Uh, and but you couldn't, um, you can only have one action per button. Is that right? Correct. So yeah, so if I ran the automation yeah. and I guess from the automation, you could update the field, but you couldn't you, do what you were doing there. Exactly. And and that brings us back to exactly the same problem though, right? Because I'd be doing an update record, which has a delay, which we've, you know, we've just seen on, on moving one, one thing to another. So I would imagine if we did it like that, it would be slower anyway. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, there is that. Um, and the save, um, Automation is very simple because we have the exact same schema for this, you know, fake new outfit record into the the ones below it. So when we set it to save, create a record. Uh, sorry, um, it's going to grab all the information from the new outfit one, which has all of the items, um, and then it will create a record in the same table, and it just does a complete clone of all the information you give them to it, um, and adds in a handy name, which is outfit and today's date, um, and that is how you save your outfits. So those are the two automations. Very cool. Awesome. It's cool that, you know, like just a simple two table base can generate like this kind of experience with the interfaces. 
you know, yeah, before it's kind of why I wanted to do it as well. Keeps right, it simple. Right. Before without interfaces, like that base would not be much to look at. Yeah, this would be unwieldy. Um, yeah. If you were, if you didn't have interfaces, you could still have done the same thing, set up the same automations and whatnot, but like to look at yeah. it all, I guess in a gallery view, but it would be, you know, it's so hard to edit anything in a gallery view. You yeah. really can't yeah. do much in it other than just show you things. And so I was saying last week that your interface, I couldn't immediately tell that it was Airtable necessarily. It's, it's, you've, you came up with a layout and uh, implementation that didn't like scream, I'm looking at an Airtable interface. And that you just sort of showed how flexible it was. Yeah. And, and the nice thing of that is, you know, in my day job, I run a design ops for an agency called Lighthouse. Um, I do a lot of dashboard design and stuff that is very, very different to this. So it was a nice break to think about it more as like a consumer tool because I don't really get to do a lot of that. Um, so yeah, it, it is, it is unique and I could do, you know, an interesting layout with the linked records and like, I've, I rarely get to use galleries because we don't do anything that has imagery attached. So it's, it was a nice excuse to, um, make something a bit more attractive and less data heavy. I know you've, uh, I know you've come out with your own d designs or improvements for the UI experience. I've seen some of your <laughs> mockups in the past. What, what, what's your wish list for interface? designer well interestingly i've got a session uh on thursday which i think a group of the winners are invited to to um talk to the product team about improvements in space designer nice. um it's a it's a group session so i feel like it might be the loudest voice gets gets heard so you know luckily i've got quite a loud voice so that should be all right for me um but yeah my, to be honest my main thing um is partly around functionality in Interface Designer. Um, so things like deleting a record when it's linked. I'm sick of like setting up these fake select automations to run like delete this thing. It's obviously a waste of all of our time to have that and write a little script that does it. Um, so stuff like that, just you know, make things easier for me. I don't need to ask my users to go into the base just to delete something or you know do some work around. Um, my major gripe, I suppose, is just around the navigation in Interface Designer. We've seen from some of the previews that they are completely, well, not only overhauling the navigation for Interface Designer, but also just how this is all structured and making it feel more like a product that you've built rather than the set of pages that people can hop between. Um, so I know that that's on their roadmap, but yeah, things like if I had another section of interfaces outside of this one, you can't really get to them without going to the base, which is the noisy view, and then going back in. And, you know, the navigation is just, just not easy there, um, especially if you want to move an interface from one section to another. Um, it's impossible, um, which, is, which is a big problem when you want to change your, your sitemap for users. Um, so, yeah. Yeah, a few things like that. My other big one, uh, as a tidbit, is like numbers. So numbers are really lovely to have in an interface, right? Especially if you're putting together a dashboard of, of key figures. Um, but we don't always want to have a number as being like, go to a table, find me all of these things, filter it. Like it might just be that this record has a column with a number in it. I just want to show that number. Yeah, um, it's, pre it's pretty simple, right? Like I care about the appearance of this and not so much the functionality you're giving me with numbers. So just let me set any field to look like this with a label below it. Um, it would just give me so much more control. 
Agreed. Um, yeah. Um, you know, colors, give me some conditional colors as well. Like sometimes the number's positive, sometimes it's negative. I don't want to have to make another field with an emoji in it that describes <laughs> like what, how you should emotionally react to this negative number. Um, so yeah, like stuff like that would just make it simple, right? Like we've got conditional colors in other places. Um, yeah, you know. I, uh, I, I agree with those last two bits are some things. The first time I pulled in a number component, I was like, oh, this is nice. And then I was like, why can't I, why can't I use this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little odd. And then the, the conditional color things, it's like throughout the product or throughout the interface uh, section of the product. I noticed the other day that you could have a checkbox field. And if you set it to large, it doesn't respect the color you applied to it in the field settings. It's just green. Uh, I was like, but I told you to be orange. <laughs> Why? <laughs> oh, my yeah. God. There's a lot of bits like so, that. Kavan had a question for you, Russ. How do you see these techniques and other bases for other use cases? um yeah i mean this the saving and clearing stuff so this is kind of new behavior that i haven't explored before right in that you have like an area where you can explore and then save things for later the only problem with that and it's kind of a metaphor for why we have forms is that this is a single user base right so if if i share this with you guys and you you hopped in we'd be building an outfit together we can't do it individually so it's, it's, it makes it a little bit of a specific use case because, um, yeah, it falls it falls apart um, as soon as two people are using this base. Um, but the idea of cloning the record. Well, um, I, have oh. I have ideas. So you would need more. This is we're looking at one template record in your outfits table, mm. right? If you and mm. I think you can do this by script. If you had one template record per collaborator, mm -hmm. you can get all collaborators in a base uh, using a script and then, you know, link them all to a record and use that collaborator, assign it to a user field, then this page could filter down and only show you the current collaborator's template. Yeah. And then, you know, it would work the same way. Um, mm -hmm. And it, you could choose to carry over the linked collaborator or not. Maybe you, you just have a table full of all outfits or you could have a table full of all mm. outfits and each outfit is still linked to whoever made it. I guess yeah, it, would, it, my collaborator. it wouldn't carry over the in a created by field because it's created by automation. But yeah. you could... Uh, you could use last modified because it does do the... If you if someone clicks a button to change a single select field, it does respect who clicked that button as the last modified by. I've been okay. doing it. Does out. it work if you have lots of like I feel like if you threw enough people at it, their table would get confused at some point and be like, oh, oh, I don't probably. know who clicked it last. Totally. One one of you do it. <laughs> yeah. well, if, but, if two people clicked it in quick succession, then yeah, it could step over each other. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah. But I mean you know that that is a great kind of stockholm syndrome workaround of how we could make this work for ourselves but really like this is what you want form design to one day look like in airtable right like this could be a, a, a type of form that i put together and behind the scenes i'm building what each of these linked records is but this is what the user gets gets to view at the moment you know this is why people build form solutions on top of airtable um it is very basic but it does give us that single opportunity where a user just sees what their input is and, and that's it. 
Um, but yeah, I, well, ideally this would you know be a kind of advanced form you could put together that is pulling in linked records and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. filtered by things that you should be able to see, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, Kavan mentioned similar idea of using oh, yeah. a placeholder for each user. Mm. That would be cool. Yes. There you go. I think we have to call it our wardrobe at that point, but <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well done. Thank you, Russ, for showing that. Congrats. Uh, I assume you uh, used your winnings towards your uh, wedding. <laughs> I mean, I don't have it yet, but it will go towards paying it off. Yeah. 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 Congrats. Russ just got married. So was able to dress appropriately for the, for the wedding. <laughs> Very cool. Thank you for sharing that. We will continue on. Our next segment will be on page designer with Ali. There you go. Excellent. All right. So this is actually something I kind of have been playing with for a little bit. Um, and I just found an even easier way to do it. Um, it's a little bit of setup on the back end, but it's super useful. I've found for Situations like um, this use case, which is putting together a monthly ad out of some records in your base. Um, It could also be useful for like a label use case, like if you had to print a sheet of labels. Um, And essentially what's happening here is we're taking individual records. This is a base of um, inventory for a truck dealership, happens to be my family's truck dealership. (laughs) Um, So I'm very familiar with it. this ad, we would need to generate uh, once a month. And instead of having to train somebody on how to use Photoshop or InDesign or um, Canva, I mean, we do use Canva, but this makes it a lot easier because we've got all of the information we need for the ad right in Airtable. So page designers works really well for if you need to create a sheet per one record. And that's really what it does is one page equals one record in a table. But you can use anything that's also linked to that record on that page as well. I've gone over um, the basics of page designer in an episode last year, which if anyone's interested, I think that would be a useful video to watch. Um, But what's different about this is this actually has three different units on it. And I'm gonna go over quickly how I got that to work. So over here, I have a table called summary. And on this table, I have it linked to several different things throughout the base. There's a bunch of different things you can use this technique for. But for now, I'm going to focus on just these two tables and then the all current inventory. So I've got summary. I like to use emojis for that record just because it's going to be appearing in all these random places and it just makes it a lot more fun. Um, And then I've got my ad builder table. So this table just has three records on it, one, two, three, which are these three records here. Um, And because they're all linked to that summary record, that allows me to get them all on this one page in Page Designer. So if I look at my settings here, I've got this pointed at my summary table. So I'm not going to have, I'm I'm only ever going to have one page here because I only have one record on this table, if that makes sense. So because I've got these attachment fields in here on the summary table, I'm able to drag them in to page designer. Like if I wanted to put this phone number somewhere, like these are just elements that maybe I've made in Canva and put in, dragged into 
Airtable as attachments. So that way I can drag them around my page and design like the template for my ad, how I want it. Um, same with the background, the way I got that background to work is that's just the gradient image and I have it filled. I use the fill for the fit mode and then have it stretching over the entire page. Just makes it a lot nicer looking than a solid color. Um, but here's where things get really cool. So I've got each one of these units. So this is linked to my all current inventory table. Um, and then I'm able to pull in the specs about that unit and everything that I need to put on this page. Um, and then I've got these three views here. And this is where this is the most important part. I've got these filtered just by that slot number that I've set. So this view is going to be for slot number one, this view for slot number two, and this for slot number three. And I have them locked because many reasons, <laughs> but mostly so that I myself don't forget and go here and change these filters looking for something else, because that's really going to mess up what's shown on this ad. So I have them locked. And if I try to unlock it, it's going to tell me locked for page designer. So I remember. And also so nobody else messes it up either. And so if I, let's say I'm going to just like delete this one here so I can kind of show you how it's built. Um, I'll just leave it there. So I want to find my linked record field for ad builder because that's I'm on my summary table. I need information from these three records. So I'm going to be pulling that field in. So if I pull in ad builder, you see it's kind of hard to see there, but by default, it makes it this table, right? So I could pull in the picks or whatever I might need about that unit. But it's all three of those units and it's all in a table format. So I don't actually want to continue with this. I'm going to make a couple little tweaks and you will see what that does. So if I only have the pictures as that data point that I want to pull in, I want to just do just the first image. And I actually don't want um, any headers. And I also don't want any borders on my table. And then here's the part where those views come into play. Because right now I've got just those three photos. But I only want the one. So this filter records option here, if I make this slot one, then I'm only going to have my image for that one unit. So if I make this the same size as everything else, just kind of drag it around. And then I know I made all of the other ones uh, 200. Oops, this is a weird little bug. You can't start over typing that number. <laughs> um, so now I've got that and I have a border around it like the others. I want it to be white. This needs to go into the front. So this is kind of handy. You can arrange these. So if I bring that to the front, then that comes up nicely. I want that to be a little bit more further down. And then this needs to go to the front as well. And so this is another just an attachment image that I have on the summary table, that little starburst thing. 
So now I can make everything there. Um, I'm just going to duplicate this element because once you've got one of these set up, it makes it super easy because you can just do this, duplicate it, and then go change the slot number to which one you need. So I'm going to duplicate this. And move that over. And then move that to slot one. So now I've got all of my images in there, all, all of my slots set up. And the cool part about this is now all I need to do for next month, if I need to change out the units, I can just come here, get rid of it. So that's there because I have this override specs here. Um, I have places on these uh, records here where I can actually override what's written here, just in case the system doesn't have correct data or it's missing data. Um, but now I can just go ahead and pick another unit and it's going to populate with that imagery. I get rid of all my override. So you can see this one actually does not have add specs. So that's where I would need to use my override. Like this truck is awesome. And then, yeah, that's, that's basically it. I mean, I didn't get super, super crazy with this, but you can switch out your stuff. And then if I need to put something else in that little starburst, I can say this is a bus. <laughs> um, sometimes, you know, it's not perfect because it's not going to adjust the text for you. So I might need to go back in and like click on this and make the line height a little smaller, um, you know, adjust as needed, but it makes it really saves a lot of time. Yeah. That's so cool. That's awesome. Thank you. That's great. And also very easy for someone else to come along and just set up another three um, units on there and, and export it. That's awesome. Exactly. Yeah, it, it works out really well. And I have in my live version, I have a couple different sizes. We've got one that's got like 12 units and then another that only has six and then three just for the different sizes that we need um and yeah it's super flexible and nobody needs to learn how to use photoshop yeah very cool thank you ali for sharing that of course get some shout outs from kavan and scott in here <laughs> thank you <laughs> Scott's going to buy a big rig. <laughs> All right. Next, we will give a quick shout out. If you're not in the Built on Air community, we want you in there. Join us. There's thousands of Airtable users in there helping each other out, talking about the latest and greatest of Airtable. So if you are an Airtable fan, then you need to join us at builtonair.com slash join. Love to have you with us. Our final segment will be scripting time with Camille. There you go, Camille. Okay, so this is uh, kind of inspired by a client project that I had recently worked on that I thought the basic premise has a lot of use cases. Um, and I think it's been covered in a various different ways. And actually the way it was done for this client is different from how I did it today. Uh, but 
essentially what we have in this like demo base I have is a couple number of projects and each project is a type, whether it's minor, average, or major. And you'll see I have a number of required tasks. If I go to my um, levels or categories or whatever for uh, my projects, minor, average, major, I could see each one of those is linked to a number of template tasks. And if I go to my template tasks, I'll see I have a couple of routine things I do for various different types of projects. And some of them are applicable to all types of projects and some are only applicable to one or two types of projects. And that's how you get uh, varying numbers of required uh, tasks for each type. And the idea is when you create a new uh, project and you want to apply all of the tasks to um, each project based on its type, um, you want to do that pretty easily, but you don't want to override any tasks that are already in there. So if I go to my task table, you'll see that the M court project has a couple of the uh, template tasks already in there that are accurately um, assigned. And so the idea was to create a script and there's a bunch of different forms of this script that exist already. But what mine is doing is it's looking at the uh, type for each project, looking at the template tasks that are required of it, and then adding only the template tasks that don't already exist in the tasks table. And hopefully that makes sense. The script is not, you know, exciting to look at. So I'm just going to run it once and then explain what happens. And hopefully I don't run into an error. Okay. So yeah, what's happening? Zoom in a little bit. Oh, whoops. A little bigger. Sorry. So nothing actually got copied over to the uh, task table and did that sort of by design. Uh, what's happening is it's outputting a table of records that it will create when I remove the comments out of that section of the script. So you can see it's linking to each of the projects and then um, linking to the relevant template. So if I go into my script, you'll see it's not particularly long. It's under 50 lines. Um, and if I can explain, hopefully it's big enough, what each section of the script is doing. It's not doing it on a single project. It's looking at the entire projects table. And then it's going through each project. It's looking at what uh, type of project it is, then looking at each type all of its template tasks, and then finding which one of those is missing. And then if it's missing, then um, it's going to create a new record in the task table linked to both. Now that I look at this, this is actually backwards. So I'm going to fix that really quick. And then I'm going to remove the comments so that now when it goes through, it should hopefully actually create these records. If I exit out of here and click finish, oops, finish editing. Now, if I click run and cross my fingers, 
Okay, so it worked. So now it's gone in and added all of the appropriate uh, tasks for each project. If we go down to Elm Court, you'll remember this already had a couple of uh, template tasks in there already. None of these are duplicates because it saw, oh, this one was already in here. I don't need to create another one. Got to give Kavan is impressed with your flat map usage. <laughs> you know, good old flat map. When I, when you start dealing with JavaScript and arrays and um, something like scripting an Airtable where you're oftentimes creating an array of records, uh, uh, record values that you want to create. Um, if you have to deal with linked records, you might end up doing what I'm doing, which uh, if I make this big again, um, I'm looking at, I'm going through each project record in my base. So there's three of those. And then I'm getting um, the template that it's applied to. In this case, uh, I think Elm Avenue or Grove or whatever had the average template assigned. So I'm now I'm looking at the linked record to the project. And then that linked record has a whole bunch of other linked records. So the template has something like seven linked records that I may or may not have to create. And that's an array, but I'm already inside of another array. That array is the projects. So what flat map does, it prevents you from having um, an array inside of an array, what it does is it just sort of outputs a single array of uh, updates because that's effectively what I want at the end of the day. I only want one array of updates. I don't care how many you know, projects are being assigned to, to it. it. It doesn't really matter. You can see they're all sort of lined up by how they're, um, how they're uh, ordered in that first view. But it, you know, I don't need a separate array for each batch of project. Something that I could have done and chose not to do was at the bottom of, you know, instead of using a flat map, use for each or something, and then at the end of that for each, create those records for that particular project, then move to another project and create those records and then move on. Um, I think it's oftentimes more efficient to update them all at once. So your script doesn't get stuck in this array. Yeah. Um, and so then there's, go, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was just gonna say, is it kind of like, it's like spreading the array and like- Yes. Okay, all right. It's, it's spreading, which is like, if I had something like down here and said, let spread equals- Right. It's, it's doing that basically. Right. No, that's cool. I didn't know about that. I, I'll, I'll definitely have to try that out. Flat map. It's a uh, <laughs> so many. I think I found flat map when I was doing master calendar uh, because master calendar was, was very similar in that I had all of these different arrays, but I just had one calendar and I don't need, you know, all of these things nested. I just need a list of events and, you know, flat map game changer. Okay. Except yeah. you're, using, you're using slice and not splice. And I know. And the reason I'm glad you brought that up yeah. is it's a, I did it wrong down here. Uh, if I do, um, hold on. 
And now I have to delete some records so you can see what, what I want it to do. I'm going to delete these. Because if I ran this again, it would create no records because no records are missing. Mm -hmm. um, if I run it again, it hopefully it'll do the thing. Yeah, so the reason I didn't use splice, I used slice, is because I wanted to output, imagine I had like hundreds of records I needed to create, which I had to do in my client case. It was a data migration thing. We were migrating thousands of records. I think <clears throat> we ended up at like 42,000 records. What I wanted was each batch that you're doing, tell me what record we're currently what project we're currently on so that if I run into an error, I know, okay, I could pick back up from this record ID and not do the whole thing over if I need to make some adjustments in my script. If sense. I used uh, splice, it would have been a little bit harder to have this sort of output, but it's not necessary. I think I still could have done it. It just would have been uh, a little bit difficult. But with the second run, you could see only two records are created because the other two projects had all of their necessary tasks already in here. And the two that I deleted are the two that are missing. And that's why only two were created here. Okay, you got to run it one more time just to make sure it doesn't create any. Yeah, I, I didn't build in, an, in any sort of error handling in this <laughs> demo, so nothing should happen. All right. There you go. All right. Yep, nothing happened. It worked. Awesome. awesome. Very cool. It's great to always get into the scripting world and hopefully give people a little bit of a desire to dig in and do some scripting and utilize flat map. It'll save you time. Yeah. Kavan also notice I was also going to bring up your interesting filter X equals X to yeah. get rid of nulls. Yeah. So that's the other thing. Um, when you have um one more time my computer is running a little slow sorry so um what i'm doing here missing templates is finding all of the template tasks that aren't already you know created in the actual task table for that particular project and the example we just did right two of the projects had all of their tasks already in there there are no missing templates so this map it's not going to throw an error. It's just going to be an empty array. And if I tried to pass that to this uh, create records async thing, an array with a bunch of stuff in it, and then a couple of empty, uh, just a couple of null values, Airtable is going to be like, I don't know what to do with this. I can't update a null record or create a null record that you didn't, you didn't give me any information. So at the end of my... Uh, variable that's creating this updates array at the bottom it says x e filter x equals x that's just basically saying is there anything there um, i don't care what it is as long as it's not null or undefined then keep it in the array if it's null or undefined remove it from the array which means this at the bottom now has clean information to get with and as long as i've mapped my fields appropriately then it should create the records with no problem. Love it. Great stuff. Thank you, Camille. That is a wrap for this week. Thank you, Ali and Russ. Thank you for joining us. 
And as always, we will see you guys next week on a new edition of the Built on Air podcast. Until then, we'd love to see what you all build on air. Take care. for joining today's episode we hope you enjoyed it be sure to check out our sponsor ontair.com and we will see you next time on the built on air podcast <laughs>